This is the weekend of change, the time change, and you guys all passed the test, apparently. You're all here at the right time, and everything worked out. It's always funny at all the churches I've been at to see that the worship team's practicing, and everybody starts pouring in. It's like, oh, you forgot, didn't you? But you guys all passed the test. But as we see the time change, it is signaling that there's actually a new season that's coming up. And Michael just referenced it to the season of the holiday seasons coming up. And, but so many things start changing all around us with the new seasons. And all of us are going to have seasons. In fact, in one place in the Bible, it says there's a season for everything. But as we head into a new season, there's the holidays, work schedules. I know Costco is going to more hours that they're open, many other stores. Amazon's going to these crazier hours and all this stuff, all this overtime's available. Then we've got our parties, and it basically becomes a season of busyness. We're staying busy all the time with all the different things that are going on, and we go crazy in all of our different schedules. In fact, when we hit January, I'm sorry, December, we automatically, it's going to be really difficult to plan anything because we've got this party, and we've got this party, and that party, and got all this stuff. All of our time just gets crunched. And while it's a new season for us, and it's the happiest season of the year, it's not always the happiest for everyone. It's actually the number one season of the year that most people commit suicide. So that tells me that there's struggles and there's adversities that come where everybody else would think this is the happiest time, this is the greatest time. It's not the happiest for everyone. So we could find ourselves in series and seasons of adversity all throughout the year. And as we have a new season that's here, it may or may not be welcomed. It's a new chapter in many lives and what is going to be written in that chapter. For many, as I've already mentioned, it's a season of adversity. I looked up the definition of adversity. It says, a state or instance of of serious or continued difficulty or misfortune. Some people would say, man, the season that I was just in, it was pretty bad. And I couldn't wait for it to be over. And I couldn't wait for the next season to come in. And man, the outcome of what that was, it wasn't what I expected. Everything that I was waiting on for it to be better, it seems like it got worse. What am I supposed to do during those times? See, it's really easy. I don't have to give you a message on how to celebrate. I don't need to give you a message on how to enjoy the holidays and drink lots of eggnog and, you know, go to all the parties and dress up in all the crazy things and the ugly sweater t-shirt um, parties and all, this, all these things. That, that you don't need help with that. What are we going to do? in a season of adversity. And one of the greatest stories to me in the Bible of adversity is Joseph. He had his family split up. Here he is, the youngest child. And I'm going to paint the whole picture quickly because the purpose isn't to just look at Joseph this morning, but he's the greatest example to me. He's 17 years old, the youngest of all the kids. And God had revealed some things to him. And so he's telling everybody what God's revealing to him. And then he gets rejected by his family because they didn't like that God was telling him these things and the father was favoring him more. So his brothers all plotted to kill him. Now I don't know about you, but that's a pretty bad day when your family is really ready to kill you. But then they had mercy at the last second, and they started human trafficking. They took him and sold him into slavery. 
They got money from their brother. All right? That's pretty bad. So Joseph's new season where God's speaking to him and everything seems to be wonderful, he now finds himself in slavery. So then he's taken to Egypt. He's sold again to someone else. And he finds himself now in Potiphar's house, who's one of the top guys in the army for Egypt. And God keeps blessing him and raising him up. And he's doing well. And he's just finding favor everywhere. And then Potiphar's wife comes up. And she accuses him of rape when she she wouldn't have sex with her. So she decides to give a false report against him. And this terrible thing, so where everything seemed like it was starting to go all right, then all of a sudden it's really bad. Can I tell you that they did not like the prisoners in the prisons in that time period. They did not have all these people that are looking over their human rights. And to be accused of raping one of the top guys in the army's wives... It wasn't a pleasant day for Joseph when he went there. He gets to prison and he goes through, you know, his life and he just continues on and he rises to the top there. But all these seasons that Joseph had went on for 16 years from when his brother sold him into slavery. Isn't that crazy? 16 years of adversity, and just when it starts to look like it's better, it goes worse. When it looks like it's finally getting a little bit better, it turns terrible. And he finds himself in this place. The greatest thing to me is Joseph went through this entire experience, and he had no one to encourage him. He had no one to sit there and go, you're going to make it, man. Don't worry. God's, God's word is good. Joseph went through all this adversity and then God brought him out because of a dream that Pharaoh had and God elevated him once again. Fast forward, Joseph is in charge of everything for the entire nation of Egypt and his family now come and they don't recognize that it's him and he reveals himself to them And where he could have turned and used his power against them, we see in Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. He says, where you intended to harm me, God intended it for my good. Now that's an amazing statement. Here they sold him into slavery, told his dad he was dead. He went through all of these terrible things of getting beaten and false reports and all these terrible, terrible things. And Joseph's perspective is, you, my family, intended to harm me. But God intended it all for good. And I looked up that word intended right here. Intended it all for good. And it literally means determined or purposed, scheming, planned, And the whole general thought is a skillful workmanship. Now, I want to tell you, it wasn't God's plan for Joseph to be introduced to human trafficking. It wasn't God's plan for Joseph to be sold into slavery. It wasn't God's plan for Joseph to be accused of rape. It wasn't God's plan for Joseph to go through all of these different things. 
but because Joseph's heart stayed right. Joseph's perspective on God stayed right. God was able to work with skillful workmanship, scheming and planning and working to make it all good for Joseph. That Joseph can sit there and say, you guys really meant this for bad for me. But God was able to turn this around. He was able to work in my life and cause it all to be good for me. In James chapter 1, we just looked at this a few weeks ago. Chapter 1, verse 2, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. What? When troubles come? No, I don't want to hear that. That's not the, the Christianity that I signed up for. I signed up for the Christianity that once I accept Jesus, everything's fine and no, I never have any problems. Well, that's not true. When troubles come. Trouble's going to come to every one of us. We're going to have seasons of adversity. We're going to have difficulties that are faced, facing us. What are we going to do with it? So it's considered an opportunity for great joy. What? Why in the world? How the world could I do that? For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Now, I dug really deep into this a few weeks ago, so I'm not going to do that again. But endurance is something you have to build. It's not something you just get. Verse 4, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfectly, perfect, complete, needing nothing. But if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you, for he will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask him, make sure that your faith is in God alone. Your faith is in God alone. So he's saying here that you're going to have difficulties. You're going to have times of trouble that are coming. You're going to have adversity. You're going to have decisions that don't go your way. That's going to build endurance in you. That's going to build up some things. And if you need help, if you need wisdom for what to do in that, ask of God. But be sure that your faith isn't in you. It's in God alone. Romans 8, verse 18 says, Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he revealed to us later. Can I suggest to you when Joseph suffered through those 16 years, that suffering that he went through was horrible. That adversity was terrible. But what God turned it into, the glory that it was, he became the second in command of all of Egypt. Verse 25 of Romans 8 says, But if we look forward to something we do not yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently Now, there are two words that none of us like to hear. Wait and patiently. I don't want to be patient. I want it right now. I'm at Burger King in the drive-thru. Like, what is taking so long? What is going on here? I don't want to wait, and I'm certainly not going to be patient. But we have to wait. We have to be patient. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that God causes everything to work together for good. Isn't that kind of what Joseph just said? Isn't that the same scenario that Joseph was just describing? That God is able to work 
with all of these things and turn them into good. But look at this. It's got a qualifier of those who love God and are called according to his purposes. See, I want to suggest to you that if you aren't loving God, and if you aren't in the plan that God has for you, this stuff isn't going to work for you. Everything isn't going to work together for your good if you aren't loving God. If you aren't in a relationship with God, if you're not knowing God, if you're not in his path, if you're not trying to do his way, it's not all going to work together for good for you. I look at people all the time and I see them going through struggle after struggle after struggle. And I'm like, God can help you. And they're like, no, I just try to do it myself. I'm okay. I don't need that Jesus stuff. See, Joseph could have gotten mad. He could have said, you know what? I tried this God stuff. It landed me in prison. I tried this God stuff. I kept myself pure. And I didn't sleep with the boss's wife when she tried to. And she accused me of rape. How did that work out for me? You know, I tried all this stuff with Jesus and God and, and the Bible. And it didn't work out for me for very well. So forget it. Just, gonna, just forget it. What would have he been given God to work with? Nothing. But Joseph, for 16 years, said, this hit me. This happened to me. My focus is on God. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to keep serving him. I'm going to keep serving him. Even though no one's encouraging me, I'm going to keep serving him. God goes, man, I can work with that. That's something I can work with. I can get skillfully crafty with. I can start scheming. I can work. I can work with your heart. You're not trusting in yourself. You're not trusting in what you can do by yourself, Joseph. I can work with that. He can make everything work together for good. But I want you to see that it's a workmanship, that there's stuff that God is working behind the scenes, the stuff that you don't even see for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 35 continues. Can anything separate us from God's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble? I don't want to hear about more trouble stuff, Pastor Kevin. I want to talk about the rah, rah, rah stuff, the encouraging stuff. Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry? What if you're one in six that are hungry? You're destitute or in danger or even threatened with death? Is God going to leave you in any of those situations? Verse 37, no. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loves us. It doesn't mean those things aren't going to come against us. It means that when we have those adversities, when it becomes really bad, even the threat of death, he's still there working. If you stay in his path, if you stay in his plan, you still keep giving your life over to God, saying, God, I don't understand why this is happening to me, but I still trust in you. I'm going to take this situation where this person did me poorly or this decision came down that wasn't what I wanted. I'm going to give that to you. 
And I know that you're in the back going, okay, now I can work with this. I can work. And I'm going to make everything work out. That over here, you're going to go, wow. God worked out everything. Overwhelming victory is ours. And I'm convinced, verse 38, that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, angels or demons, fears for today or worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. He's encouraging you. It doesn't matter what comes at you, whether it's a good day or it's a bad day. If all of these things come and keep coming and keep coming, nothing's going to ever separate you from God. Stay with him. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do everything through Christ. I can do. I can do. I highlighted that because I want you to see it. I can do. That's got to be your mentality. I can do. Joseph, I can do this. This stuff is happening to me. I've got this decision that came against me that I don't like. It. It's overwhelming me and I just want to sit and cry all the time. I just want to be devastated by it. I can do. This situation is coming against me. That These people are speaking poorly against me. They're wrongly accusing me. They're saying I did some things that I didn't do. I can do everything through Christ. Everything through Christ. Who gives me strength? The next screen highlights everything through Christ. I can't just get focused on I can do because it's not in me. I've got to stay through Christ. I've got to stay in his path. I've got to stay inside of him saying, God, I don't understand this. Here it is. I'm not going to do this by myself. Who gives me strength? It is he who gives me the strength to keep going. They want to say, I don't understand it. This isn't making sense. This isn't how I thought this was going to turn out. He gives me the strength to keep going. I love this. But a little bit earlier in that it says, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. Verse 11. I've learned how to be content. Have you learned how to be content? Sir Joseph sitting in that terrible place. You're in the pit being sold out by your family. You're in prison because someone falsely accused you. Can you be have you learned how to be content? Next verse says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation. What's that secret of living in every situation? It's verse 13 that we just said. I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. He's like, I've learned how to be content through Christ who strengthens me. I've learned the secret of living in every situation through Christ 
who strengthens me. See, when you find yourself in those times of adversity and you turn around and say, God, I don't know what to do, but I'm staying giving it to you. I'm staying in your plan. He goes, man, I can work with that. I can start making all of these things come out so the output that comes out is good. It's not what it looks like coming in. What is God's final result in your life? What does 16 years from now look like for you? A little bit further. I'm backing up and I'm jumping around a little bit. What does he say a little bit before this? Sorry, we're we're taking the next verse. Even so now, you have done well, Paul says, and you share with me, verse 14, you share with me in my present difficulty. See, Paul is going through a lot of the same things that Joseph went through, falsely accused, imprisoned. Joseph went through it without anybody there to encourage him. Joseph went through it with No one there to say, man, I'm sorry your family rejected you. Man, I can't believe they sold you. I can't believe they took money for your life. Joseph, I'm really sorry that woman falsely accused you. Man, I believe in you. Joseph didn't have any of those things. But Paul finds himself in here, and he's got people that are rallying around him. And he says, You've done well to share with me in my present difficulty. Can I suggest to you, it's so much better when we go through life together. This is what we're called to do, all of us. We're supposed to share with one another in our present difficulty. So when I have a bad day, I need you to come along and say, hey, you're going to make it. When you have something that doesn't go your way or the outcome of a decision is not what you thought it would be, you need me to wrap my arms, give you a big hug and say, you're going to make it. We're going to get through this together. Hashtag, we're better together. Joseph would have done so much better in that situation with someone encouraging him. Philippians 4, verse 8, a little bit ahead of where he went. He says, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. See, it starts up here. It's not in all the stuff that comes against us. It's what we're thinking about. Framing our focus in our life. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Next verse. Keeping, keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me. Everything you've heard from me and saw me doing then the God of peace will be with you. 
Can I suggest to you, we need the God of peace with us at every step of our way. But can I just, as I was looking at all this, this is what church is. Coming to church and hearing and learning and receiving and then putting it into practice. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing. But I I want to suggest to you that there's another layer of this. There is definitely the part of you coming and and hearing and we read the word of God and we, we find it and we put it into practice ourselves. But then there's the other side that we then become the one who finds somebody and help them. Then they come and look at us and they learn from us and they receive from us. Paul says in another way, he goes, hey, the things you see and hear from me, I'm trying to follow Jesus. Now you follow me. So we're all in this together. We're better together. And we're joining in with each other. Then God's peace is with you. Further on down that scripture is where David says, I can do all things. So I set my mind where it's supposed to be. I think on the things I'm supposed to do. I keep doing what I've seen my teachers at church say. I'm doing those things and I'm giving my best. It's all giving God things that he could work with to cause the outcome to be amazing in your life. Bow your heads with me this morning. You know, we sing songs about He's holy. There's no one like him. That he causes this great work in our lives. And we just saw this morning he wants to do work in our life. He wants everything to work out for good in our lives. But it's got to be from a place that we're in his will. We're in his path. We're in his plan. We're doing what he's called us to do. So I don't know where you find yourself this morning. I was speaking to somebody this week and I said, you know, every service that we have, I give everyone the opportunity to get to know God. That's the first step in the plan is getting to know God. Because you're not going to find freedom. You're not going to discover your purpose. You're not going to proceed in all the other stuff. The first step is knowing God. So everything isn't going to work out for good for you until you know God. You can't commit your life and your will to Him until you know Him and you've made a decision. So where do you find yourself this morning? Do you know God I don't mean, are you joining this church? I don't mean, are you got it all together? You've got it perfect that everything's working out. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? You might say, I've never done that. You might say, I've done that before, but if I'm truthful right now, I'm far from God. I'm going to give you an opportunity in just a moment. 
If that's you, I want you to say, count me in. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to have you raise your hand. I'm not going to come up front. This is a personal decision. A personal relationship. It's ultimately between you and God. I'm just going to help you with some of the words. If that's you this morning, I want you to pray this prayer with me. If you need to pray it out loud, just pray it. The important thing is that you mean it in your heart to God. Say, God in heaven, thank you for sending your son to die in my place, to pay for my sins so I don't have to. I ask you to forgive me for living my life without you. Jesus, please forgive me. I surrender everything to you. Be the Lord of my life. Be number one. In the best way I know how, I'm going to live for you with all my heart. Today I give you my life. I ask you to take everything and turn it for good in my life. Father, I pray for everyone else in the sound of my voice. Lord, those who have made a first-time commitment, those that have come back to you, and those that are on the path with you, and God, they're they're needing the encouragement of someone saying, God's going to use all of the things that have come against you. He's going to work them together for your good. Lord, those who need the encouragement saying it's all going to be okay. Those who need someone to come along and help them stand up. Lord, I pray for all of them. Lord, I thank you for the places that I find myself in that I need you. We read that in James it said we should count it all joy. I don't always count it all joy. And I give it to you this morning. Lord, the situations even from this week that I wish were different. I give those to you. And Lord, I know that in your hands, being in your path, you can turn it out for good in an amazing way that I could have never done on my own. I give you all these things. In Jesus' name I pray.